to the Hot Mess Mill Mom podcast, where we talk about the messy side of all things military life, parenting, special needs, anxiety, and everything in between. I'm here to make you feel normal because Lord knows I'm nowhere near it. So whether it's your coffee, tea, or wine time of the day, sit back and join in the conversation. But beware, I'm definitely a potty mouth. Hey y'all, back again. Very happy to be doing a second episode. Honest to God, still feeling nervous. Still a little weird talking in my makeshift office slash closet. But having some fun with it. Took a little while trying to come up with a second topic that I thought would be even a little interesting. I spent more time on the first and then, you know, the holidays happens. It was just Thanksgiving and you have to plan your meal, plan your number of people and be prepared. And then there's cleanup. And then, you know, you don't have to cook for a couple of days after because it's leftovers, leftovers, leftovers. So, finally the kids are back in school. Thank God. And I had some time today while working on my site and doing my emails and everything. And I was watching one of my favorite shows, Mad Men. Love that show. I don't know how many of you out there may be some retro or vintage fans, but I love the 50s and 60s. Let me rephrase this. I love the TV show and movie versions of the 50s and 60s because that version is much different than the historical and accurate version. I love the Dick Van Dyke, I love Lucy, Pleasantville idea of the 50s and 60s. I love making jello molds. I love making pot roast. I love making Swedish meatballs. I love making pineapple slices on my ham. I'm that weird person. I love teal. I love pastels. I prefer to watch an older movie versus a new movie any day. Unless it has Ryan Reynolds in it. Then it's a given. I like the idea of simplicity. A time before Google and the internet. Well, I guess Google is included in the internet. Boy, did I sound like a dumbass. I like the idea of mom and pop shops being the primary. But at the same time, I like convenience. I like 
only having a few buttons on a device, but I like having multiple options on my microwave. I like having cheap appliances, but I really, really love my fancy Samsung washer and dryer. And so I constantly contradict myself in that manner. But I like to sit back and daydream and think, what would life be like if I was just living out a day in the 1950s? Now, granted, I have no idea. I was not born in the 50s. I am not going to try and add those years to myself. I was born in the 80s. So, hooray for 80s babies raised in the 90s. We rock. But... Every decade has shit that went down. The 50s and 60s had a lot of shit. They did. They had a ton of shit. And the family dynamic was definitely different. It, You know, the, the inflation was not as much of a growing issue, which I'm sure the 50s compared to the, obviously, the 20s and the 30s was different. Each decade grows, the inflation, the cost of living grows, the national debt grows. So with each passing year, times get harder. And it doesn't matter who you vote for. The next year is always going to be harder than the previous. That's just how it goes. And I like watching shows and movies that take my mind off of that. Now, for a little more hardcore reality mixed into that ideal version, I love watching Mad Men. Yes, the primary focus is the gender that is the hierarchy. That's the men in the show. The advertisement moguls of Manhattan. They are the ones who run the city, run and dictate everything that people buy and purchase during that time frame. They control all the little witty jingles and quips that constantly run through your mind subliminally. So you end up buying products that you don't need, things you don't want, and things that may not even taste good to you, but you have to have it because someone next to you bought it. Or just simply because a commercial on TV you watched so many times made you think in your mind, maybe I will like this. Maybe if I buy it the second or third time, I'll like it. It happens. And the wives, though, I love the different viewpoints. They have the divorced wives. They have the single women. They have the moms with multiple children, the mothers with only one children. They have the wives with no children. They have the mistresses. They have the grandmothers. They have the upper, middle, lower class. They have a viewpoint for each in this show. And seeing them grow with the times and evolve 
is so interesting. Whether your primary character is Betty, who is the main character's wife, then ex-wife, or Peggy, the lowly little mousy secretary who ends up becoming a, I guess you call her, mad woman, and is in line with the men, yet still always having to fight to be considered one of the boys just to gain even an ounce of respect for doing ten times the work of those with something swinging between their legs. Perhaps it's the children. Perhaps it's Sally having to grow up from a small child into a young woman in the midst of a philandering father, a divorced and remarried mother, going through multiple forms of emotional abuse. It was a little daunting for that kiddo. All the while, you're staring at the small televisions, the beautiful dresses, the quaint tea parties, the large dinner gatherings, the fancy jello molds, which happen to be one of my favorite, the cocktails, the restaurants, the traveling. It's just so easy to get lost in that and think, gee, five cents for a Coke. That must have been nice. Gee, 25 cents for a gallon of gas. Damn, that would be awesome. $5,000 for a brand new Cadillac. Good God in heaven. That's just unthinkable at this point, right? It's amazing to have that m dream to just immerse yourself in that beautiful, simple, peaceful, warm environment. I'm sitting here thinking about it all over again, just imagining myself sitting on a train, I have a cocktail in my hand, I'm just reading an old Cosmo, hmm. or on a plane. Plus, I used to be a smoker. I smoked for 18 years. Now I vape. I guess there's not much of a difference, except for the smell. I don't smell. But being able to smoke anywhere, gosh dang it. That right there had to be a luxury. Because, you know, being a smoker nowadays, that's just evil. Being a smoker back then, it was just characteristic. You had to be a smoker. You were weird if you didn't smoke. So when I'm not daydreaming, I like spending my time online some days and looking up old recipes looking at old fashion photos, travel pictures. I love watching the old Disney programs on Disney Plus that show Disneyland and Disney World back then, the old Disney shows and movies. 
My favorite Christmas movie in the entire world is It's a Wonderful Life. And some of the things that I found today and yesterday were some mom tips and wife tips. I'm going to include some of the links in my episode description because these are only tidbits from these sites and there's so much more to choose from. And so many websites out there that kind of cover different aspects. There's one website where it's her grandmother telling her. There's another website where it's her mother telling her. Another website where she's just making things up as she goes along, I'm pretty sure. There's Facebook groups. Facebook groups are so much fun because they show the pinup hairstyles. There's the car shows. There's all kinds of events and things that you can find in your area. And it's people who literally live their life based in the 50s and 60s. There's a YouTube show about living life in the 50s. Appliances that you can still buy on Amazon. Amazon is the killer for that. And if you have the funds, you can really immerse yourself in your daydream. I don't recommend it. However... It is now getting to be Christmas time, and I have to admit, my wish list is building up quite a bit, especially items in teal and salmon pink. Don't judge me. They were amazing colors back then. Well, some of the aspects of the 50s and 60s that I found the most interesting dealing with family life was... Let's see, the first one was the divorce rate. Just about everyone I meet today have, has been divorced or are going through a divorce or haven't been married at all. Like, it's not even an option. Like, they're not happily married. I myself have been divorced twice. I'm not ashamed of it. I will say it. I'm on my third marriage. So it's extremely common. The uncommon thing is to be happily married and stay married with that same person for the entirety of your lives. Yet, in the 1950s and the 1960s, less than 6% were divorced. To pick this decade that we're in now, in the 1950s, they're both on extreme ends of the spectrum. What is extremely common now was extremely rare then, and vice versa. For instance, what I said earlier, smoking. Extremely rare now. Well, maybe not extremely rare, but extremely rare for it to be acceptable or to find a smoking place, like an area where you can smoke and people not look at you like you're the devil. Versus the 50s, where you could smoke anywhere. You could smoke in a hospital. Who the hell lets a person smoke in the hospital nowadays? It's crazy. But what is it now? 70 years ago? 
perfectly fine. Screw it. Light up in the waiting room. Light up in the delivery room. Your wife's only about to pop out a damn kid. It's okay. Calm your ass down. Smoke up a lucky. But the divorce rate, less than 6%. Now, granted, I'm sure a lot of these couples did need to get a divorce. I'm sure they needed the big D, no pun intended, very, very badly. Especially judging from this show. If you've watched the show, you look at some of these couples and you think, y'all just need to end it. Just stop it now. Dads also only spent about 20 minutes a day with their children. Do you know why? Because the children were not their responsibility. The second my husband gets home, all I can think about is playtime. Now, this is just speaking for my family. I am not much of a player. I do not sit and play for hours with Legos and Barbies and all of that. I love my children very much. But Mama wakes up in the morning. Mama's got shit to do. I get shit done all day long. In fact, until I started doing this podcast... This is the longest I have sat still and done anything but talk in forever. And it's nice. I think that's why it feels so weird at first. Daddy is the player. Daddy wrestles. Daddy runs. Daddy goes out and he rides bikes with the kids. He works out in the garage with the kids. That man could do anything. And so long as the kids are beside him, they think it's the most awesome thing in the world. He jumps on the trampoline. He swings. He plays on the playground. He does all of that. Plus, he goes fishing. He goes camping. He goes hunting. Shoo. Uh-uh. I ain't got time for that. No. I am okay being the one doing the cleaning, doing the household stuff. I'm okay with that. My kids know if they need a snack, I'm on it. They need a drink, get me a cup. I got this. I'm okay with that. My kids know they love me. Or, I know that my kids know I love them. I said that wrong. God, I'm messing up today. It's okay, though. It's okay. It's okay. I am allowing myself to screw up. That's what I'm doing. But my kids are comfortable with it. I am comfortable with it. And my husband is comfortable with it. Now, don't get me wrong. My husband helps me out. He does. Especially as, you know, my body is getting worse and all and stuff. But for the most part, he is the player. He is the fun one. But to think that 70 years ago, I cannot imagine my husband coming home And just acknowledging our children. Just, hello, you and you and you. Good evening. Now go run along and play. Go watch the television. I almost sounded British for a moment. Go play with your toys. Go to your mother. 
while I sit and read the paper and drink or whatever. I can't imagine that. Just how miserable that would have to be. Just living like that, especially for the children. Just to never really have time with your father. Then I think about how I've seen it in the shows. So now I'm going to have to watch it a little more carefully. How often did I see Dick Van Dyke interact with his son? How often did I see Beaver's parents or his father interact with him? Because even though I, I feel like I've seen it in the shows, now I'm going to be paying a lot more attention to it. And it also comes with the work. When my husband's home, he helps out a lot outside. The gutters need cleaned. I ain't getting on no damn ladder. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Not happening. The grass. I mow the grass. But we're in the military. My husband is deployed a lot. If he's home, he can cut the damn grass. I cut it enough when he's gone. I don't want to do it any more than what I have to. So he does the usual stereotypical male duties. That is what husbands did 70 years ago. Everything else, it was expected to be left to the mom or the wife. The things that I do now, my husband does not expect me to do. If he sees that I need help doing something, he helps. If he sees that I have not done something and I ask him to help me, he will help. It is not expected of me. So for that to be solely one person's responsibility, it kind of takes away the magic a little. But again, that's why... You can love the dream of the 50s and 60s. Or you can love the reality of the 50s and 60s. Maybe if you were lucky, that mom had older kids. Kids were expected to do chores. This is one I was a little shocked by. In the article that I read, the author stated that nowadays, kids are not expected to do chores. It's extremely uncommon. She has never heard of a child doing chores. She herself, her children do not do chores. Maybe I'm just a bitch mom. My kids have chores. Each one of my children have a chore list, a fancy little dry erase pad, and they've got a good amount of chores on there, each divided up with the days of the week, different chores for each day. Some days have the same chores, and they're kind of minimal, all right? They're just filler chores. It's obvious you're going to brush your teeth, or you need to. It's obvious you need to make your bed. It's obvious that the dog needs to eat. 
the cat needs to eat. Your rodents in your room need to eat. But then there are the more challenging chores that are based on their ages, such as washing the dishes, taking out the trash, picking up the dog bombs in the yard. My oldest is now turning 14. She can mow the grass. She can weed eat the grass. She can do these chores for her age group. Whereas my son, who is nine, has his age group. My daughter, who's youngest, has, is six. She has her age group of chores. So I'm, I may sound like a bitch mom compared to this woman, but I'm at least fair and I'm not like overloading my children. And I'm not keeping them from eating meals because they didn't do their chores. I'm not sending them to bed at 5 p.m. because they refuse to do their chores. Another thing that never seemed mentioned in the articles was whether or not the children were paid an allowance. In the show Mad Men, there was only one reference to Sally, the primary character's daughter, receiving an allowance. But yet we never saw the children performing any actual chores. So I'm not really sure where that lies with these chores. My kids, however, they get an allowance. And I charge them when it comes to that allowance. We keep tabs on what chores they complete, what chores they don't. If they've used their check marks on there and if they haven't, you know, they got to keep track of that. I may be mom, but I'm not their manager on their performance and their responsibilities. Whether or not your kids do chores, I'm not going to judge you. But that is one aspect of the 50s and 60s that I read about today that I found a little strange. I think children should do chores. I think it teaches a steady work ethic. It teaches earning an income. Because along with that allowance, I make our children save a portion of their allowance. If they break something that was beyond an accident, they have to pay for it from their allowance. If they waste something such as, well, great example, my teenager used to waste her shampoo. She would leave the top unscrewed and it would pour into the bathtub. So I started charging her from her allowance for shampoo. What did she do? She wanted to save her allowance. So eventually, after so many times being charged, she made sure that lid was screwed tight. It taught her to be more careful with her belongings, with her possessions. It taught her to be responsible. That's what you learn by having chores, by having an allowance or an income as a child. I think it's important, but that's just my opinion. That's what this whole thing is, just my opinion. None of this is facts. Don't take this as facts. Use Google if you want half facts or whatever.
So with all these responsibilities that a mom had in the 50s and the 60s, what were some tips in a particular guide found on the 1950shousewife.com to help manage mom life? Bring in help. Okay, because we can all afford that, right? Apparently, it was very common to have maids two to three days a week and nannies. And no, it was not just for the very wealthy. It was also for the middle class and lower middle class. If you had an average income, you could afford a nanny. You could afford a maid at least one day a week to come in and clean your entire house. Who can afford that today? I can't. We have a pretty decent income. We're able to afford a few luxuries in life. But we cannot afford a maid. Are you kidding me? It would be awesome, though. Use professional services. Now, this is cool, because a lot of these are around today. Before World War II, it was rare for a middle-class woman to go buy her own groceries. Grocery delivery services were extremely popular. During World War II, the delivery boys were shipped overseas to go fight. Then, women started leaving the house and going to the store. But, if you could still afford it, and you still had the time, sit on the phone and place your order, weekly or however, you could still have your groceries delivered, you could have your laundry picked up and dropped off, you could have your milk delivered, you could have your meat delivered, you could have just about anything you needed delivered, including alcohol. It's the same stuff today, but it was way cheaper. There were no delivery fees, apparently, which was very daunting. And just about every single household, average household, had this done. When it came to needing time away from your children, there were babysitting co-ops. The Ladies Home Journal published an article in the 1950s publication where if you had a, I don't know, maybe you didn't have to trust them because who cared? Everything was really relaxed back then. Group of friends that lived in your suburb or your cul-de-sac or whatever. Moms would switch off each day and watch everybody's children for a couple of hours to give the other moms a break. No thank you. Not happening. I'm sorry. Watching 10, 12 brats is not worth it to me at all. But maybe back then that was their only option. Daycare obviously was not that great of an option. There wasn't a need for multiple daycares everywhere because women weren't working nearly as much. The point of daycares 
were created because both parents had to go to work. That came later. Or, if you were lucky enough, you had to send them to the grandparents all the time. When you did have the kids home all the time, no matter what, you were going to have a mess, right? Wrong. Because another great tip is out of sight, out of mind. Whether your form of a babysitter is kicking the kids outside all day and just kind of letting them roam free, because, you know, the dog is a great babysitter, right? Toys and all rooms in the house were supposed to be child-free unless it was designated, such as a family room with a TV. It's perfectly acceptable for the children to be in there to watch their programs and have their little area for their drawing and things like that. Otherwise, get up to the room. One of the tips was never let the children in the kitchen. If I could lock my children out of my kitchen, I would have so much more peace. Just take cups and put them in their bedrooms and say, you all are not allowed to leave your bedrooms unless it's to go directly outside because it's quote unquote inappropriate for you to be in the living room or in the dining room or in the bedroom, the master bedroom. That would be very peaceful. However, that's not how life is and most likely shouldn't have been back then. But it also apparently taught children their, again with the air quotes, place. Playpens were also a great babysitter. I used playpens. I did. When they're tiny and they can roll over, you know. But once they can get up and they can start walking and they can start moving... All three of my children would scream bloody murder if I put them in that playpen. But apparently it was the most common and acceptable thing to put your child in a playpen and let his little ass sit there all damn day. Eventually they'll stop crying, right? Eventually they get tired of it. Eventually they just accept that it's happening and they can't change it. It's not child abuse, right? Try doing that today. You're going to be nailed to a wall. Creativity. Creativity for the children is acceptable so long as it is kept in the bedroom. Building forts, building tents, building whatever you want to out of the couch cushions, dining table chairs, all of that. That was a no-no back then. Now, my children are always trying to do that. And I see that with a lot of people's children because it's a normal thing to want to take apart the couch cushions or throw a blanket over the dining table chairs. Nope, couldn't do that back then. At least not according to a lot of these sites. But it was okay because so long as the children stayed where they needed to stay, mom had enough time 
in the kitchen to also not be creative. Because having only seven meals to cook every single week was easy enough and only cook those seven meals. Creativity was not meant for the kitchen. Creativity would only go as far as what you put in your jello mold. There we go again. I love jello molds. I'll be honest though, that's what I end up doing. I have like comfort meals. I have those back of my mind meals that I know I'm going to cook and shop for every single week. And whether or not my family gets tired of them, I really don't care because it's like a safety net. I know tater tot casserole, spaghetti and meatballs, pork chops with gravy, and wait, that's only three. Oh, crap. I forgot the other four. Ah, ooh. Oh, no. Got to write them down. Well, I failed with that safety net. Either way, that's uh, some coping skills and tips for mothers then. The last bit I found very interesting, and please, please do not take this to heart. This is not something that any woman should take as gospel, but it was very entertaining, and I really feel like I should share this with you. Dr. Nancy feels like she should share this with the world was the good wife tips that I think we could discuss for a moment. And the number one was always have dinner prepared. Now we're going to take these apart as we go, because I do agree with some of them. Okay. Dinner prepared. Obviously you got to feed people. That's, that's kind of a, a given. You can't not feed the children. But even in our family, if my kids aren't home that night, I'm not cooking. I literally plan dinner to only feed my children. If my children are home and I am making dinner, I make enough for my father who lives with us and my husband. But if my children are not home, if I do not have to feed my children that evening, I do not cook. According to Dr. Nancy, no matter what, you are supposed to cook a beautiful, nutritious, tasty, delicious meal for your husband. The children come second. Prepare yourself. Do not look like a mess when your husband gets home. Look clean, look tidy, look well put together. Make sure you do not smell like cleaning material. Make sure you don't have the day's duties on you. Yeah, I don't, I don't ever follow that one. Uh, if you do, more power to you. I, I put on makeup maybe 10 times a year, and I think the greatest thing to ever be invented were leggings. So, 
Also, my shirts get cycled out maybe the same five shirts every week because that's just how I do laundry. It's easy, and he still thinks I look pretty, so we're just going to keep doing the same thing. Clear the clutter. Now, I, I really can't speak much on this. I, I have obsessive compulsive disorder, so I am always picking up things. I believe everything has a place, everything in its place. So as much as I drive my family crazy by preaching that constantly, here she wants the house to look perfect at all times. Clear away the day's clutter. Make sure that when your husband comes home, his home is his castle and that castle is picturesque. Yeah, I'm not clearing the clutter to make my husband happy. I'm clearing the clutter so mommy doesn't start screaming at everybody. Big difference. Prepare the children. Make sure the children are clean. Make sure the children are dressed appropriately. Make sure the children are either outside where they need to be or they have already ate, which was another strange aspect. And I'll refer back to Mad Men. It was very rare to see the father eat with the children. Most of the episodes, the children had always ate before the father had arrived home, even if it had been at a certain time or at a decent time. I, I thought that was very strange for some reason, and it and on a lot of websites, it was the same. It was very common for children to eat before the parents. The children eat, they get settled, they go away, then the mother and father sit and have dinner together. That would be awesome. I'm sorry, I don't care how you feel about it. I think that would be great. I would love to sit and have a meal in peace. Oh, that would be nice. Minimize noise. What do you do if your husband is the majority of the noise? No, just kidding. Minimize noise. Keep the children down. Keep the washer and dryer turned off. The dishwasher off. Whatever appliance or electronic animal, human, no matter what. No guests, no nothing. Make sure when your husband comes home, the house is peaceful for him to unwind from his day. Eh, no. Nah. Just the fact that he's coming home should be peaceful enough. That right there, that's that's where we're we're cutting off the level of give and take. Don't greet him with complaints or problems of your day. Okay. I, I can see to an extent. Don't like bombard him with, oh my God, the kids did this. The kids did that. Oh my God, your mother called and then this broke. Uh, and then we have to go pay this and blah, 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 blah. Give him a minute. All right. Give the dude a second. 
or she. Give your spouse a second to get in, get settled, at least get their shoes off. Okay, so I, I can kind of get that. But at some point in time, you got to tell them what the fuck happened that day. You have to. Because, you know, it involves them too. You know, if your kid got arrested that day, you eventually have to tell them. If you have to go buy a brand new washer because the kid shoved a bunch of Legos into it, don't hide that. You eventually have to tell them. It just, you have to share aspects of your day with each other. Don't have to share everything. Most of the time, my husband has no idea what I've done during the day. But for our family, it's because I've handled it. If I need him to know, or if I need him to assist, then I will tell him. But I don't tell him absolutely everything. Because one, I've handled it. Two, I ain't got time to sit and give a recap of my day. I just want to be quiet. Make him comfortable. Help him with his shoes. Help him with his socks. Bring him a drink. Bring him a snack if dinner has not yet been finished or is ready, which is a big no-no, bad for you. Listen to him about his day. What the hell? If I can't talk about my day, why the hell should I listen to him about his day? Be like, "Uh uh-uh, no, it's going to be an even trade-off here. You tell me one thing, I'll tell you one thing, you know, and then we'll try and one-up each other. Last one is make the evening his. Okay. I'm not really sure what they were hinting at with this, but I think you can see where I'm going with this. The evening is not just for him. The evening is about both. And if both is not receiving that evening, then neither will be receiving. (sighs) Dr. Nancy, I'm going to have to look you up to see if you were even married. Because I am fairly certain if you were, You had a lot of closeted feelings about your spouse. And if you weren't, well, then you probably shouldn't be writing lists like these. Because y'all know shit. Well, I believe it is just about that time to start wrapping up for my day. I wanted to share these little bits. <laughs> Sorry. Make the evening his. Hell no. Uh-uh. Ain't his birthday and it ain't Father's Day. That's not happening. Anyways, while my mind is in the gutter. Oh my goodness. I hope that you enjoy these tiny little factoids that I have found in my short Google search for the day. 
I want to know if you feel the same about the 50s and 60s. What tidbits you grew up with from your grandmother or your mother handing down to you about this era? What are your favorite decades, if not those? Do you enjoy the show Mad Men? Do you think I'm full of shit? Is anyone out there listening? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Probably not. But no matter what, I had fun. And I'm here to make you feel normal. So if I sound crazy, I'm okay with that. I know one thing. Dr. Nancy is definitely crazier than I am. So I feel much better about that. Well, I'm off now to go make a jello mold and head to the car rider line. Which is definitely something that I'm pretty sure the 50s moms did not do. Because you know them kids walked home by themselves. What's the point in supervising? The dogs got this right. chat about today's episode, comment and subscribe on whichever platform you're listening on. And check me out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, media, and at hotmessmillmom.com for somewhat daily content, because you know that parent life. We don't pick the schedule, the kids pick it for us. I hope I got to make you feel a little more normal today. Have a great day, and don't forget to coffee, tea, wine, and repeat.